Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. So just by a thumbs up, thumbs down, or straight across, how was 2023? Raise them up. Wow. Okay. So what I am getting is we're about 22% under is based upon that. That was the, my statistical analysis. About we, I, I saw a lot of these. I saw a bunch of these. I saw a few of these. So um, anybody would like 2024 to be better? Three of us? The rest can go home. No, no, nobody like, no, I'm good. I'm good. No, um, I will say this is it won't be better without intentionality. Anybody had that? Anybody had some repeat years where you just kind of dialed it in and you're like, I wonder why I got the same year, right? It takes intentionality, but anybody here tried to change your life and it fundamentally failed. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. So it, just because it takes intentionality, that doesn't guarantee results. Anybody made a host of, of New Year's resolutions? Most people are like, yeah, I don't do that anymore. I don't want to set myself up for failure, right? But how do we have a fundamentally different year? How does God fundamentally shift our lives? So if you've got Bibles, I want you to open up <clears throat> to Judges chapter 6. We're going to stay in that chapter. We're going to be looking at a guy by the name of Gideon. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you're going to see some things you've never seen before today. It says, verse 1, it says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. The Israelites at this time, they, they, were, they were just tribes. They had their towns. But every year... The Midianites were a bunch of raiders. They would come in and take, right at the, usually at the harvest time, they would take all their stuff. Anybody here, you've had this, you're like, I think we're getting out. Nope, we're not. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, this is literally, if that's your cycle, welcome, you're in a Midianite season. Anybody want out of a Midianite season? Okay, no? Okay. All right, yes, please. <laughs> okay, so listen, every year they would be stolen from them. And, and by the way, this word evil actually means striving. Just because you're working hard doesn't mean things changed. True? All right, moving on. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves. They were preppers. And moving on. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and the strongholds. I would submit to you, if you're preparing to survive, you won't. That's across the board. Hmm. We'll get there. Wow. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the Eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and didn't spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents were like swarms of locusts and it was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites. They were so impoverished. Do you know what they did? Do you know what they did? They were so bad off. What did they do? They cried. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness, I guess all we can do is pray. Anybody see a problem? The last resort. That might have been the reason they were in the situation in the first place. Just saying. It was so bad, they, tried, they decided we can't do it on our own. It took them seven years to get there. Who are my slow learners? Yeah, oh man, I, I don't know about you. You're like, I wonder why we're going around the same mountain. I don't know. All right. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said this. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. By the way, the power of the Egyptians was so much greater than the power of Midian. Anybody here, you had a breakthrough somewhere in the back, but now you're in a place of just, you can't even remember that breakthrough anymore. And I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out. Who did it? God did it. I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. Did they work for it? He gave it to them. Who delivered them? He delivered them. For seven years, they've been trying to deliver themselves. It's not working, is it? I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites. The Amorites were the wealthy, the powerful, and successful. Anybody here? You allowed your eye to wander? And you were like, how do I get that? How do I get that? How do I look like that? How do I become like that? And the MRI said, we'll tell you how. The world will always tell you how to get there. One thing. He said, I told you not to worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. What does he mean? He mean they didn't use their ears? What do you think that verse means? They didn't obey. They disobeyed. They refused to listen. They refused to do what he said. So the angel of the Lord came and sat down under uh, the oak in Ophrah. Okay, so here's the question. Here's the question for you. So is it good in Israel right now in the, at this point in the story? What is happening in the land right now? Chaos? Well, just take guesses. Fighting? Fear? Oppression? Starvation? Hmm? Chaos? Very good. Destruction? Always losing. Always, never enough. Always, never enough. Just like that. Is this God's plan for them? Is that God's plan for you? Good. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. What was it that made them finally come to God? Yeah. Their last resort failed? What do you think? What made them finally come to God? They tried everything else? Desperation? I'm kind of an obvious person. They didn't like it. <laughs> they didn't like it. It hurt. 
It was yucky. I had a buddy of mine tell me a long time ago, if someone hurt is hurting but doesn't want to change, they'll have to hurt more until they want to change. Anybody here tried to help somebody against their will? Listen, just because you don't like the symptoms of your problem doesn't mean you're ready to get free of your problem. Anybody dealt with an addict? I don't like the results of when I'm drunk, but I like the drinking. You, you realize they'll go together, right? Nobody? Anybody had tried to dialogue with that? Now, of course, yours and my issues are okay. It's those other people's issues that are the problem. They're the idiots. What I would submit is, could there be some area in our lives where we want the symptoms to go away, we want things to be better, but we're not willing to surrender it to God? Because see, God doesn't do things halfway. God wants all of us, right? He can't, if we want God to transform an area, he needs the keys, He needs the keys. He needs to be able to tell us whatever he wants to about that area. Anybody tried partial surrender? You know, I I always love this. Anybody here, you've been in a relationship and you are praying for God to change that person? You know, he's not going to answer that prayer. But you know what prayer he would answer? Change me. Oh, no, no, easy now. The problem in our relationship is you. Let's not get it twisted, right? Only me? Okay, so in this place, they, it is their discomfort that reveals the place where God is going to bring breakthrough. Okay? All right. So the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, because that's what an angel does. But I, I, so they've been crying out to God for intervention. What kind of intervention do you think they were expecting? Warriors. Yeah. Uh, kill all the guys. Kill all the Midianites. Wham, bam. You know, something out of Marvel Comics, right? Ooh, all right. Okay. I guess I better go down to Israel. Sits down under an oak tree. Here's the thing. If you can imagine how God's going to enter into your life, it won't be that one. So the, the, the angel comes down. I, I mean, I'm, seriously, they're like, God's heard your cry? Yes, God has heard her cry. And all he did was tell him, you guys screwed up. <laughs> what, what do you think they thought? They thought the problem with the Midianites was the Midianites, and what God told them, the problem was with them. All right. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak tree where his, uh, to belong, the oak tree uh, belonged to Joab, Ash, the Abierzite, who, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Okay, anybody see a problem with that sentence? What was he doing? Threshing, threshing wheat. Do you guys know how to thresh wheat? What you do is you let a wind come through and you throw the wheat up into the air and so the chaff blows away and the wheat falls because the wheat's heavy. Do you know what a wine press is? It's a vat with high sides where the wind doesn't go. 
Anybody see a problem? Why do you think he is down in a hole throwing wheat in the air where the wind can't help him? Hiding from the... Okay, it's amazing how dumb fear makes us. Right? Oh, I don't understand. Why is this threshing not working? Working really, really hard with how much result? Almost none. He's like, you know, he throws it in the air and just like does like that. You find yourself constantly robbing from Peter to pay Paul. You use what the gift of God for what it was never intended. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, again, like he's just like, Gideon's like, oh, there's a guy sitting under an oak tree. He says, the angel said to him, oh my gosh, this is the moment. This is the moment of deliverance. What is he going to say? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Anybody see a problem? What's wrong? He saw the way he wasn't. Like, he's not a mighty warrior. He's a really bad farmer. And a scared one. Right? Like, could it be that some of our failures are because we're doing the wrong thing in the wrong way for the wrong reasons because of fear? And the whole time he was supposed to be a mighty warrior, he was being a bad farmer. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Do you think Gideon felt that the Lord was with him? No, because no, he was in fear. If God's with you, you wouldn't be afraid, right? But he's down. He, God was with, is with him, and he is not aware of it. Do you think you might be unaware of God's presence in your life? Might that be good news? Because we decided he wasn't present. Anybody? You have some areas where you're pretty, pretty sure that he took a vacation? Okay, good. All right, let's be honest. <clears throat> the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And of course, Gideon bowed down and said, Thank you, Lord. I've been waiting for your word. Yes, oh Lord. Thank you. You finally seen my true identity. Why do you think God called him mighty warrior if he wasn't a mighty warrior? That was his potential, calling him out. That's who God created him to be, right? So here's the deal. God will not relate to who you aren't. Many of our conversations where we talk with God and he's silent is because we're talking about stuff that's not true. We're trying to get him to solve problems when he, as a, as a bad farmer, when he wants to talk to us as a mighty warrior. And, but Gideon, of course, has a great response. Pardon me, my lord. <clears throat> Actually, it's more like, <clears throat> pardon me, sir. However, Gideon replied, but you say the Lord is with us, but if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? Who are my people? You, who are my people? God was present, but we have a narrative of how he was absent. Is Gideon able to hear God at this point? No, because he already has a narrative. God will challenge that narrative. But where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when he went and said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midian. 
Here's the question. Did God abandon them? Or did they walk off? (laughs) There's a big difference. Some of us are trying to get God to bless our Ishmaels. Some of us are trying to get God to bless what he never blessed in the first place. All right. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Hold that thought. All right, now, now for a little bit of interactivity. Underneath here or underneath the thing in the middle, you're gonna find some sheets of paper. Grab the one with a one on the top right corner and make sure everybody has one and grab a pen. There's a couple questions there. Because see, here's the deal. Gideon's not okay with what has happened in Midian, but he's also not okay with what's happening in his own life. And those two are tied together. God is revealing his will for Gideon through what he's not okay with. Does that make sense? So you'll see a couple questions. The first question is, what really bothers you? What are you not okay with? What's so wrong or so needed What is something that somebody ought to do that you're like, somebody ought to do something about this? Or what's an area of lack or injustice that you just long for God to move in? See, God is revealing part of uh, uh, Gideon's identity by pointing to a much larger problem that really bothers him in his own life. Because that's the second question. Now, drilling down, what areas of your own life are these issues actually shown up? Because here's, here's the deal. The things that really bother me out there but are not part of my life, are, uh, those areas are often a distraction. But the areas out there that bother me that are showing up in my life, those are the areas he can address and he can deal with. So what are the areas that really are bothering, the things that really bother me, things that are not okay, the places of pain? And if you need to write in code so nobody reads it, you may. But I want you to write something down. There will be a test. It's called 2024. All right. Now, I want to say this again. This is really important. That the areas that really bother you, but you have no authority in. In other words, they don't intersect with you, with your life where you have authority are almost always distractions, and the internet is full of them. Why? Because God is not going to empower me where I have no power. Again, we're talking about a relationship where I have a problem with you, God's going to deal with me. Does that make sense? God is going to change me because I have authority over me. That's why it's called self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Others' control is a demonic counterfeit called manipulation. Does that make sense? So the reality is, I, the only the places where I have authority can God empower me. But a lot of times, who here, one of the greatest drugs when I'm feeling powerless in my life is to go over here and get, get really worked up about an issue I have no authority or power in. Does that make sense? Nobody? Oh, is that too close to home? Okay. Okay, way too close to home. Okay, no, really, and we've got to get good at this because this is one of the number one ways the devil distracts us. When I feel powerless, I will get all worked up about things that I have no power over. Why? Because it makes me feel powerful, but it's a drug, it's fake. Because God can only empower me where I have power and authority. Now, 
that we're going to see in the story of Gideon, that's going to result in changing the world. But he starts where he is. So what does he say? He says, go in what? He said to Gideon, he said, go in what? Your strength. What kind of strength? What does it say? The strength you have. Not the strength you should have. Not the strength you hope you have. Go in the strength you have. Who here is convinced you don't have enough? Right? Who, you know, we're, this is literally one of the things we always start with is what? Our lack, don't we? We're looking at a problem. We first, you know, Jesus said, you know, count the cost, right? And we're like, oh, I don't have enough, so why bother getting started? Who are my people? Just lay down and die. Might as well just have some more cake, right? Another donut. You know, let's just, it lessens the pain a little bit, right? No, he says, go in the strength you have. Don't wait until you have the strength you think you need. Why? Because God does not manifest through human strength. He manifests through human lack. Give you an example. 5,000 people need to be fed. What does he say? What do you guys have they're like not enough what did they have five loaves and two fish or two loaves and two i never always get that confused they had a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish but not enough for five thousand but it was what more than enough right i love it a little bit later they're arguing because they they forgot bread and he goes, what do you, have you learned nothing? It's not about what, how much you have. It's whether I have what you have. Whether what I have has been surrendered to God, then it can become enough. Go in the strength you already have. Don't wait. Okay, who's, who are my people? God tells you to do something and you immediately have a list of th- reasons why you can't. Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength you have. Where you are, go where in the strength you have. <laughs> but it's so good because Gideon just received faith in this moment and he just boldly went. I like Gideon a lot. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? What do you think Gideon was realizing about himself in that moment? How frail he was? was? Do you think he ever thought, like realistically, apart from some Marvel comic fantasies, that he could be the deliverer of of Israel? Could it be God has dreams about you that you've never dreamed of? Could it be that your dreams are getting in the way of God's dreams? I just want to be a better farmer. Could it be your dreams are getting in the way of God dreams? Because we dream according to what we think we have. He dreams according to what he has. Go in the strength you have. Why? Because I will be with you. I have a question, math people. Which is more? One million dollars plus infinity or one dollar plus infinity? Which is more? They're the same. 
because the money does, how much doesn't matter because the multiplier is infinity. And there is, you can't do more than God. The, the weakest, most pathetic person partner with God went, defeats the entire world every single time. But we start by counting my little pennies. And God says, go and be obedient in the strength I have. But when God tells you to do what you fundamentally can't do, it's a good time to start asking questions. Because you know what he, he would have done? You remember what Moses did when he uh, heard the call of God to deliver Israel out of Egypt? Do you remember, guys, what he did? He said, not a problem, God. I'm going to go to work killing one Egyptian at a time. Was that the way God had in mind? Because you and I, when God tells us to go, we make our own plans, don't we? And they work great. No, no, Gideon is not that dumb, thankfully. He says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? Is that a good question? It's a very good question. It's a great question. It's okay to ask God questions, okay? It's okay, instead of faking faith. Does that make sense? He says, how can I save Israel? Why, what is his problem? What, is he, what does he say his problem is? Why can't he save Israel? Weak, small. Well, it, it, some of it's lack of confidence, but, but it's like, and it's rightly placed lack of confidence, right? I'm the littlest, I'm the weakest, I'm from the weakest, Right? In other words, I don't have political power. I don't have physical power. I'm nobody. And God goes, exactly. That's what qualifies you. Could it be that what we think qualifies us is actually what disqualifies us? See, God cannot breathe on human strength. Why? Because we'll trust in ourselves. That's why he uses the weak things to confound the strong. And the foolish things to confound the wise. See, he can't use your gifting. Because in our gifting, we trust in ourselves. He can only use our dependence on him. Now, can we surrender a gift to him? Yes. But I don't know about you, but I think my gifts are pretty cool. I think I'm pretty good at this. I think I'm pretty awesome. And I therefore do not trust because trust is absolute. Go in the strength. Am I not sending you? Pardon me. So he's got, he's got a real understanding of the situation. I've got nothing. God's like, you are correct. Well done. You can take an inventory of what you've got, but don't trust in what you've got. The Lord answered him, okay, did you not hear me the first time? What is God's answer? I will be with you. Now, I've I've got hard truth for you. Nine times out of ten, this is what God's going to say to you. Because he's not impressed with our ability, our strength. He's impressed with his own strength. And he's like, if I'm with you, we're good. Right? If I were to uh, become a business partner with Warren Buffett, do you think I would have, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, listen, it's only five million bucks. That's pocket change. We can deal with that. Yeah, I've never paid a bill more than $5 million. I've got it. Why? Because his resource is greater than mine. See, God does not evaluate my life according to my ability, but according to my surrender. 
I will be with you. And so you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now again, if this was Moses, Moses is like, aye, aye, Captain, one at a time. Is that what, just for those who read ahead, is he going to kill them all himself? No. God is going to do things through you by doing it through all of us. God does not want any destiny and calling on us is not to be walked out by, by ourselves for ourselves. The calling of God on your life is not for you. It's for the world. It's not for you. It's for the world. And therefore, it's also not by yourself. Who here, you, you've, you have a plan of how awesome you is? Come on. It, you, is, you won't be good. You won't be amazing unless we are all amazing. All right, and so I will be with you. And Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is really you talking to me. Okay, something has shifted. Do you guys see a shift between the, the first pardon me's and this one? What do you think has shifted? His attitude? How has it changed? What's that? He wants to believe. He sees some hope. Has God given him any evidence up to this point? I would submit the only evidence you're going to get is that tuning fork in your heart that hears the voice of God and hope begins to arise. Hope against hope, right? That's stupid. That's stupid. Hope against hope. It says... Abraham believed even though his body was dead. Hope against hope. Oh, God. Ah. But what do we do when we hope for the hopeless things? What, are we, what is our natural reaction? Expect it to fail. Expect it to fail. Pull back. Fear, right? Why do we do that? Self-protection. Self-protection. I would submit self-protection is the number one reason why we fail. Because only being all in allows God to move. But something has changed. So, now notice. Now, again, who, who are my jump off a cliff people? You know who you are. I'm one of them. Like, like you know, it's either don't obey or jump off a cliff. Those are my two options. God's like, oh. Everything God does, he does in the context of time. Baby steps. That's why all, all these pro- parables by Jesus are about farming. Little bit by little bit by little bit. Who are my people? You just want to jump to the end. Yes. Yeah? You pick up an Agatha Christie novel and you read the last chapter. You watch the movie and you flip to the end. Does she live? Okay, good. No, 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 no. No, listen, it's baby steps. It is baby steps. He started out not trusting God at all. He's trying to build trust. So he does a baby step. He goes, okay, if I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Why, why do you think he's thinking he's confused? Because it's too good to be true. You know it's God speaking when it's too good to be true. So he asks for a sign so he knows he's not insane or hallucinating. That's okay. It's okay. When God speaks, 
it's going to sound too good to be true. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. If you, all right, I'm about to get to some junk. If you want God to prove himself, it's going to cause, cost you risking yourself. The, 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 I call this the connoisseur who sits back and goes, oh, no, no, I'll wait till it rises to my level. I'll wait for God to do what I want to see. He can prove himself. The only way God is proving himself is by the risk of Gideon. Because do you know what he does with this offering? Remember, they're in the middle of a famine. The angel of the Lord said, take the meat and the unleavened bread. Place them on the, this rock and pour out broth. Oops. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. He said, he said, I will wait until you return. God is okay with us testing. He said, test and see that I am good. Taste and see. Try me and discover that I'm good. He says, I will wait. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat from an ephah of flour, which is 36 pounds of flour. I don't know. I don't know. With bread, without yeast, putting the meat in the basket. Yeah, but what you said, how long? How long do you think it took him to make 36 pounds of, of flour? If, yeah, especially if he's a bad farmer. God's like, well, first of all, we're not giving you points on delivery, <laughs> right? Putting the meat in a basket and, the, and, the, and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them under a, a whole goat in the middle of a famine. 36 pounds of bread in the middle of a famine. This is expensive. If you want to grow in trust with God, it will cost you. You can't do it. Well, when you prove it, I'll do it. Ain't happening. God won't respond to that. What is he, how does he test him? He tests him with what he has in his hand. The little that he has. So what I want you to do is grab your sheet, second sheet of paper, number two. And so, here's my question for you. What things might he be calling you to lay down in this season? Maybe they're gifts. Maybe they're abilities. Maybe they are, maybe they are things, risks. And the second section is about what are the things we lack, the places where we think we have nothing, where God wants us to lay down our own evaluation of ourselves. Lay, allow him to use our weakness, our brokenness. Just take a couple minutes. All right. So the angels of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Whole goat, 36 pounds of bread, gone. Who here, you surrender something to God, but you keep your finger on it? <laughs> this belongs to you, Lord. Right? Surrender is all. All. Then the angel of the Lord touched him. All right, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, 
he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The angel has disappeared, right? All of a sudden, one of the things is, when you discover who God says you are, it will create fear in you. A godly fear, a fear of God, more than the fear of obeying him. But the Lord said to him, wait, I thought the angel disappeared. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. I submit, he heard God the way you and I hear him, inside. Many times we want fundamentally wow experiences before we obey, right? Has God given him anything to do other than free Israel at this point? No. But suddenly, sometimes I've found that when we have massive spiritual experiences, we're not satisfied with the interior voice of God. But I would submit the interior voice of God is how we walk with him day by day. And that's where the, most of the victory is going to happen in the small interior voice of God. I've said this before. I only yell, hopefully, at my daughter when there's a real problem. But a lot of times we want God to yell all the time. No, he speaks softly. And so what does he say? He says, God says to him, he says, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. I will be with you. Peace. You're not going to die. <laughs> I will be with you. Peace. You're not going to die. I would submit again, nine times out of ten, when I scream at him and explain to him all the problems of how we're going to die, he gives me this exact response over and over again. If you want more than this, you're going past the Bible. Because this is the biblical level of what God does. And he does it over and over again throughout Scripture. A lot of, a lot of times like, well, I'll go when you promise and you prove. Uh, uh. No, no. You're not going to die. I'm with you. Peace. And again, that peace comes in a little seed form, like that little hope. And you're like, like you just feed on it. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. Gosh, I love that. By the word, that way, that peace means not just peace, but it means the abundance of every good thing and the fullness in every area of my life. God is my everything. That same night, the Lord said to him. That next, that same night, God said to him. <clears throat> you did great at the goat level. <laughs> By the way, anybody found that obedience always ratchets up? Like you're like, woo, I am comfy at the goat level. Let's just stay at the goat level. God's like, well, about that. Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. So for those of you who are, are he was, may not have been a great farmer, but here's the deal. That bull, it was the second bull. God's like, good, just do the second bull because that would have been part of his inheritance. So he was like, you got dibs on that. He said, take that bull, but also it would have been, it literally was his inheritance. It was where they were getting the cows 
where they were, you know, getting the next generation of cows. It was where, it was their strength. It was literally, this was his inheritance, his retirement plan. Don't touch that, Lord. The Lord will not touch your IRA in Jesus' name. Because we don't trust in chariots, but we do trust. Anyway, moving on. Sorry, getting in the weeds. Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Now, you got to understand, they've been worshiping the god Baal, the god of lightning, and that's the god of the Amorites. He is a capricious God. He is an angry God. He's a violent God. And he is a perverted God. And Asherah was the queen of heaven who also was his co uh, consort. And they would worship those two together in messed up ways. But that was the way you got financial increase in their world. That's how they understood it. This was, the, this was the altar. In our world, it would be a bank. <laughs> it would be their bank. Their, this is where they, they worshipped for, for financial increase. And this is where Gideon had been worshipping. Tear down your altar. Tear down. What? Are you crazy? Tear down that and cut down the Asherah pole and then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord. Do you know what a proper kind of altar to the Lord is? According to scripture, it's a pile of uncut stones. <laughs> I used to make those as a kid. <laughs> We're just, you know, you're clearing out the fields. You just pile up a bunch of rocks. How much work is there in piling up a bunch of rocks? It depends on what kind of rocks, but... But it's really like, like there's no, you're not shaping the rocks. You're not using any mortar. You're just piling, you know, thunk, 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 right? The reason is God says, I don't want an altar that's based on your works, but upon mine. A proper kind of altar. The one, the altar to Baal was a pretty altar. It was beautiful. Proper kind of altar to the Lord, your God, on, on the top, uh, top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Man, he's using everything. Offer the second bowl as a burnt offering. Do you think Gideon's getting that second bowl back? No. 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 And he's also not, this was also Gideon's Asherah pole. He's not getting his Asherah pole back. So God, Gideon took ten of his servants. He's not as... as Notice he didn't list those as his assets when God was telling him to obey. Like, I think I would notice if I had 10 servants. Like, like only 10, only 10. Just like the best of the best. 10, 10 servants. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Do you know what? God is okay if we do it afraid. Because trust is not a feeling, it's an act of obedience. Trust is not a feeling, it's the act of obedience. So, but in, in the morning, when the people of town got up, there was, a, there was Baal's altar. Now, he did it in the middle of the night, but do you think they're going to notice? I mean, if you burn down a bank, do you think they might notice? Yeah, just, we're not, by the way, just to qualify, we are not encouraging the burning of banks. Somebody's like, I said. All right. Here's where we're ending. They asked each other, who did this? 
when they carefully investigated, waterboarded those uh, servants, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. We didn't want to. The people of town demanded of Joash, his dad, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd, are you going to plead Baal's case? Are you going to try to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jeroboam, which means let Baal contend him with him, or it means he who contends with Baal. They lit a bail buster. <laughs> he became, literally, the, his enemies became prophesying that he would destroy Baal throughout Israel. Because Baal was the real reason why Israel was in trouble. But listen, if he was going to take down Baal out there, he had to deal with Baal in here. God will always call us to deal with our own stuff first. Right? If you really do care about it, if he's really calling you to deal with a bail out there, he will show you the bail in your own heart. That you can tear down that altar. And you, and it will be costly. Notice he didn't, he lost some friends through this. You won't necessarily gain friends by radical acts. But, but again, I want to say this, they're acts of personal sacrifice. So, final thing, your third paper. What is God calling, where is God calling you in the areas of your authority and your responsibility to apply the weakness he's identified? Where is he calling you? Again, where is he giving, calling, giving you grace for? And the second part is like unto the first, it's What's a baby step of obedience? We all want to jump off a cliff. What's a baby step of obedience that can allow you to, is that really you, God, talking? A baby step of obedience. Is costly, but a baby step that I can do even today. You know, the thing about baby steps of obedience, they might be expensive, but they're doable. They just depend on you. And your yes to God. All right. What I want you to do now is I want you to pair up with someone. Uh, you may have to leave your table to find someone. Uh, or, uh, a, a, you know, it doesn't have to be someone. It might even be better if it's not somebody you're in a close relationship with. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'd be great. But go. I want you to pair up. And I want you to share as much as you're willing to as much as is safe to share with the people whatever whatever from your three sheets um so find a person pair up pair up or three you could do three people if it works out
Well, guys, love you. Keep talking. Hang out as long as you like. We love you. Be blessed. Have an amazing 2024. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.